Love Yours, an experimental podcast. Welcome back to the penultimate, I think that's what it's called and it's the one before the last episode of Love Yours. If this is the first episode you're hearing, I would highly recommend you go back to introduction and start from there because this has been a journey. This has been what started as a journey of self-love, but I think it's just turned into a journey of self-discovery and it's all thanks to Charlemagne the God's book, Black Privilege, Opportunity Comes to Those Who Create It. We're on principle eight, we could say chapter eight, access your black privilege. Now this chapter, it was just one of the shorter ones actually, but there was still a lot in there. Um, there's there was so much in there. I don't really know where to start. I mean, one of the first things Charlemagne says is you need to think of yourself as a god. Now, being raised a Muslim, straight away, I was like blasphemy. Um, but I don't think he literally means a god like the all-seeing, all-knowing. I think he means about like how you feel about yourself your confidence, the power you have within you. He talks about not focusing on what you think you're too like poor or too dumb, too short. Whatever you think your disadvantage is, that is basically what you shouldn't be focusing on because it's going to be the thing that kind of stops you from accessing your full powers. Um, He talks about how we're supposed to be here and I didn't know this but apparently when a guy comes there are 250 million sperm in there like what the hell and he's like you was that one determined sperm that made it you made it all the way to the egg so no matter what you think about yourself you were supposed to be here and I think that is a really powerful message I mean if you think one in 250 million then yeah you definitely are the chosen one aren't you um he mentions about not letting the haters make you give up which is such a real thing I've talked about in previous episodes about people putting doubts in me and making me question my abilities and it's like why why am I letting them influence what I already believe is my destiny and what I'm meant to be doing and then he goes on to say that he's not sugarcoating it like he knows that for black people it is a struggle he knows that there are hurdles like of course there are we're living (laughs) in a world where you still get killed for being black so he, I like that he kind of addressed that because if someone said to me black privilege I'd be like are you stupid are you all right do you do you even know like they're about systemic racism um but he's like we do have hurdles he's not sugarcoating them but we can overcome them and we shouldn't let those hurdles define what our end goals and what our destinies are he talks about like how we let racism and white privilege define us and do you know what I don't know where I stand on this one because 
it's not that racism and white privilege defines me, but it is very apparent, especially the industry I work in, which is ironic because me and Charlemagne work in the same industry, how much it can influence opportunities and progression. But he basically goes on to say that you can't let the oppression cloud your vision. Now, I definitely don't let it cloud my vision. In fact, if anything, I think it's helped me have better tunnel vision for what I want and assess that I may not get it with the brands that I initially wanted it from. I may have to build it myself, that whole DIY kind of mentality. And also, like, I'm very cautious about what brands I work with now. So I don't think oppression has clouded my vision, but I do think that racism and white privilege doesn't define me but it does influence opportunities in certain areas so throughout this book I've pretty much been like yes teach me teach me but this last chapter it's it's a bit touchy he tries to explain that basically when all we see is the privilege of others then we become our biggest oppressors and I think to some extent that is true I definitely don't just see the privilege of others, um, but I do recognise how it can help others get further than me, quicker than me, even down to like me not being light enough or Caucasian looking enough, um, even little things like that. Or then as a black female, me not looking black enough because I haven't got your typical curvy black body with big hips and big thighs and big boobs I'm quite skinny so like I feel like it works on both ends I don't fit into the white privilege bracket and then even the black privilege bracket of like what a desirable black woman is I don't fit in there either but one thing I do really agree with what he says is that everyone is privileged because we're here and because we are unique, and I definitely know I'm unique, you're not going to meet another Charlotte here. I like that's just what it is. Um, he talks about having limb privilege, like even just the fact if you have all your limbs, then you are more privileged than other people who don't have limbs. Health privilege, if you're able to wake up every day, I mean, my immune system's trash, but. I still, compared to even if I just look within my immediate family, my sister, I live a healthy life. So we all have privilege. It's just obviously to different degrees. And he talks about basically embracing your own privilege rather than being intimidated by someone else's. Do you know what? I thought about this and it's kind of like how... So I'm married... And I married someone who, although he works in the industry to an extent, so he does like a YouTubing and videography and photography, he's not like a big known rapper or he's not like um, a big producer. And I do always think that like sometimes, and this isn't with every situation because some people like I don't know where my miss is going to end up in 10 years he may be known as a big youtuber in 10 years he'd only just started youtubing but I do look at other presenters who like date rappers for example and I'm like 
Well, of course, your career is going to get fast tracked because automatically you've got an advantage of being in circles that I'm not going to be invited to or being around people who are not going to see me. And even just like within radio, music and radio is so connected. So you're going to be known more by people because of who your partner is. And I just, I used, that always used to frustrate me because I didn't want to date anyone in the industry. Like, I really like that my personal life is personal and my work life is separate. And also, I always, like, I just didn't trust rappers. Like, they have a bad reputation. Obviously, not all of them. That's a stereotype. But I also just didn't want to date a rapper. Like, I didn't want someone so exposed to be connected to me and be able to impact my career positively or negatively but I do always look at other presenters who date rappers and think "Mm, I'm sure that you got that invite because of x y or z so he's really just talking about stop watching other people's privilege no matter what kind of privilege it is because as soon as you get intimidated by someone else's you're not focusing on your own and I think that's so important. I am privileged. Like there's people out there who look at me and think, oh, why does Charlotte get this or get to do that or have this or have that? Obviously not knowing the struggle, my life story. I mean, if you've listened to all these episodes, you've got a tiny insight into it. But trust me, like (laughs) I've started therapy recently and there's parts of my life story that I didn't even know how much has impacted me as an adult until I started therapy so it's been a long road but I still am more privileged than other people and I need to embrace that and be proud of that and own it and not like downplay it either. Now another part of this chapter is he credits a lot of his success to praying to God which is a tricky one for me. So as I've said, I grew up Muslim um, and I would say I was a practicing Muslim up until I was about 15, 16. Then I went wild in my teenage years, started rebelling and then in my mid-twenties, I kind of got back on track with religion um, up until I would say around the time that I felt pregnant or just after I'd given birth to River, so almost three years ago. And I can honestly say, and it's not that I'm proud of it, but it's just a fact, I haven't prayed in at least two years now. And I always used to think that, I, I mean, if you ask even people close to me, whenever good things would happen, I'd be like, Allah favours me, Allah's got my back. Like, things always work out for me in the end, even when they feel like, hopeless but knowing that I haven't prayed for two years and knowing that the last two years of my life have been some of the best years of my life really makes me question and doubt how much prayer really does now I'm not saying I'm an atheist and I'm not saying I don't believe in God anymore 100% I think anyone who doesn't believe there's things out there greater bigger more powerful than them that they can't see anyone who thinks the world was created by science like I ain't got time to debate with you like I really don't that's your belief stick to that but I definitely believe in God but one thing my dad always used to say to me and he 
growing up was one of the strictest Muslims I know, is that no matter what you do, your intentions are always clear. And I have always led a life, okay, always is a bit of an exaggeration, but since I've been conscious of like myself, and I'd say that happened around 18, 20, I've led a life with pure, clean-hearted, good intentions. Now, that's not to say that I've never done anyone wrong, because I definitely have, and I'm sure people would say that I had, but it would not have been coming from a place of, I'm going to be really evil and malicious and like try and harm this person. I've always had good intentions, whether that works out good for someone or bad for someone. It's always been pure good intentions. And I think that even though I haven't been praying in the last two years, like I don't need to talk to God verbally for him to know my heart. That's the way I see it. So I, I disagreed with Charlemagne a bit on that because he literally said that he credits his success to praying to God. Um, and I don't think that you have to pray in order for God to favour you or to bless you. So, yeah, I think this chapter, um, it was the most difficult one to read just because there were parts of it that I was just like, are you all right? Like, <laughs> really? And then he kind of ends the chapter referring to one of my favourite movies of all time, The Lion King. And that scene, it's a Simba reference when Mufasa comes down, Rafiki brings Simba to the lake and Mufasa comes down into the clouds and he's saying to Simba, remember who you are, remember, remember. He actually puts that in the book, remember, remember. And it's just such a good point. Um, And Charlemagne actually references this throughout the book about returning home returning to your core and I think it's such a good message to end on because as long as you remember who you are what you stand for what you are passionate about what you value all those things that make you the individual the one in 250 million sperm who was meant to be on this earth no matter what goes your way or what you think has gone your way or hasn't gone your way you will be on the right path that you're supposed to be on and I think especially because of the reasons why I started this specific podcast about my envy and my comparison and my jealousy of others and their career successes that I wanted for myself I think that kind of summary was just the perfect way to end the book to know that like I'm never going to be them. I'm never going to have what they have. And even if I come close or even if we cross paths working with the same brand, it's still not going to be the same because it's me and not them. And I think that message of remembering who you are, if everyone just remembered who they were every day, then life would be so much simpler because even when that dickhead pisses you off at the train station you gotta remember he's the dickhead not you like you're cool you can chill you can ignore him keep it moving and go on about your day being productive or doing what you want to do rather than absorbing their energy 
I think that's the problem, especially with social media these days and society. We absorb so much of everyone else's energy that we start to forget our energy and who we are. And I think that is key to accessing your powers or as Charlemagne likes to call it, your privilege. I mean, one in 250 million sperm. Like, I just need to keep reminding myself of that. (laughs) And so I want to um, end this episode uh, with a Maya Angelou quote that Charlemagne references in this chapter. Um, And it it more links to his earlier points in the chapter about um, white privilege. And it goes like this. And it's quite famous, so you may know it. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. (sighs) Powerful. So this is the last episode of The Principles. I decided that I'm going to do one final episode that kind of concludes all the different things I've learned through reading this book, um, just to like wrap everything up. But for now... Let me know what you think about this, about accessing your black privilege. Comment, share, subscribe. Follow me on all socials. I'm Charlotte to hear on anything and you can DM me. You can carry on this conversation off the podcast. And I will see you on the final episode. Thanks for listening. Love yours. An experimental podcast.